Mike Tignone. Excited to bring you another episode looking at running back and wide receiver underperformers as dictated by the by Leone model. But before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. If you are a first-time depositor and you use promo code ETR, you can get an initial deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. So definitely check that out. They've got a fun way to play DFS with their Battle Royale contest, six-person snake drafts. You can do a bunch of them in short order, inexpensive to enter, a really fun way to play DFS. So again, check out Underdog Fantasy and use promo code ETR for a deposit bonus up to $100. Now, for those unfamiliar with the Bileone stuff, and most of you listening probably are familiar at this point, it's a way for me to try and find underperforming running backs and pass catchers uh, based on their last three games fantasy points per game essentially i'm looking at players last three fantasy points per games and finding the players that are most likely to exceed that mark moving forward it's a really good model because it's very objective and it's looking at the opportunity for the players and who's likely to regress based on that some of the flaws of it of course are that there is some assumption that players will keep the same opportunity moving forward. And sometimes struggling players are going to lose opportunity. So I'm here to add context to that with this podcast. I'm going to start with running backs for the week. And last week's results were, you know, the shakiest by far that we've had this year at the running back position. In general, when we see high-end names on this list, you know, the, the running back model does better with those high-end names. And we see Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara beat their three fantasy points per game averages. They fall off the model this week. Uh, so we saw some success there. Travis Etienne and Najee Harris also beat their last three fantasy points per game. But no one really broke out in a big way. And I talked about Najee Harris last week, who is on the model again this week. And I think the issue with Najee is the ceiling right now is going to be similar to what he did last week. Like, he's probably going to perform better. He's going to find the end zone sometimes like he did last week, but ultimately it's going to be a disappointment for him rest of the season. So his inclusion on this list is, is based on how low the bar has come down for him more so than it is based on a real expectation. And it's important to look at the numbers when you're looking at this list. So, you know, the model only expects him to have around 11 fantasy points per game moving forward. And that's right around our weekly projection for him for this week. Uh, Travis Etienne is a little more interesting from a breakout perspective because his role could grow. And he's not only on the list last week, even though he improves, he's still on the list again. And we're seeing really strong efficiency from ETN in both the pass game and the run game. And I think if we could just see a little bit more involvement in the pass game and some touchdown luck, you know, he's close to breaking some big plays. Of course, Jermichael Hasty is the one who had like a freebie 60-yard touchdown run for Jacksonville last week. You know, things could happen for a big way in ETN. So I'm still pretty big on in on him. And uh, I like his inclusion on this list. Again, another repeat includer that you'll see on this week's list is Aaron Jones. I think, you know, similar to Najee, the bar has been lowered here, but there's a bit more juice in terms of the upside. You can see the model for him is projecting 13.2, uh, or at least was last week. Let, let me switch over to this week's stuff um you can see that the the model expectation for him has dropped off some it's dropped to 11 fantasy points per game for him but our weekly projections 15.2 both of those are above his last three game average of 10.6 um the reason why i'm still on on aaron jones is the model likes him now i still just think there's a little bit 
of upside in the target department. I know we haven't seen it. I know we keep saying that and it keeps not happening, but I, th- I think that's true. I think this offense is going to be very volatile over the course of the season. And we've seen some bad weeks recently. When we see some good weeks, like we saw week two against Chicago, we're going to see some ceiling performances. They have a strong matchup against Washington. I wouldn't be surprised to see him or AJ Dillon have a big game this week. As far as other inclusions this week and how I feel about them, uh, the model does struggle sometimes with these guys coming back from injury. Um, their stuff gets a little bit wonky. We get DeAndre Swift's inclusion on this list because his you know, last game when he got banged up was so poor, and that's in his last three fantasy points per game average. But I do think he's a good target if he's a full go. He was limited practice on Wednesday, I believe, um, but he had the bye week to get healthy. They gave him some rest. So I'm excited to get Swift back. And then with Jonathan Taylor, who I hit on last week, he ended up not playing. We always have to be careful of these guys coming back from injury, but he was a full practice Thursday after a limited Wednesday. Really good sign. And do want to just make a note on the Colts game plan from last week where they ran the super high pass rate of expectation offense, super up-tempo, no huddle. And I think that was game plan specific with Hines and um, particularly JT out. I don't know if we'll see it moving forward, but if we see even just a hybrid of what their boring run first offense was with JT and what they did last week, that's actually good for JT. It's similar to the Fournette thing we've talked about a few times. More targets, more high value touches, more red zone opportunities if that offense is going to operate like that. And we actually would like them to play more up tempo and throw the ball a bit more and be more successful overall offensively. That's going to be good for JT, even if he loses like four carries in between the 20s. Like we'll easily swap out four carries between the 20s for a couple more targets and a better chance at some red zone opportunities, which he'll still dominate there, even if they're throwing a bit more. So really nice to see that. The other guy um, whose inclusion I think was a little interesting on this was Clyde Edwards-Elaire, who had a really bad expectation last week. But in three of his last five games, he's received goal line carries. In three of his last five games, he has four or five targets, which is good. And the model also picks up on the team total of the offense. And generally, when you're getting touches on a a team with a high team total like KC, your expectation is higher. And I wanted to bring that up because I think it's a little bit of a juxtaposition with Clyde Edwards-Elaire, where the high value touches I just noted are there to an extent for CEH, but Offenses like the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, they've been kind of strange in that they haven't scaled proportionally in terms of how they've benefited the running back position as other teams have, just kind of the way that they score, the way that they operate. And I think CH and Devin Singletary have some similarities in that regard where they can be out there and benefit from a strong offense, but there's also times where the offense is rolling and they're still not getting high value touches. And unlike Devin Singletary, you know, CH can get squeezed in certain game environments, whereas Singletary can go the other way, right? The game against Casey Buffalo last week is a good example where Singletary is going to play in these competitive games almost the entire game because they trust him so much. Where CH, even in these highly competitive games, sometimes that actually works the opposite way for him where, you know, they're playing from behind, they're playing a little bit more Jarek McKinnon. So wanted to note that, but not a super exciting list, all things considered this week. Um, and not, a, not a, you know, unfortunately, not a super actionable list because if you have Jonathan Taylor, you're not trading for him. I guess for DFS, the injury return stuff, so we have a bunch of guys returning from injury in DFS this week. And those guys sometimes are, are just undervalued 
in general. I guess my biggest takeaway is I'm still like really in on Travis Etienne on this list. Um, and, and I do think some big games for the Green Bay running backs will come as frustrating as it's been overall. Wide receiver pass catching stuff. Let's look at the results from that last week. So that was a lot more fun than the running back results. It was by far the best week for the, the the pass catching stuff. We had huge performances and improvements over last three game averages, uh, particularly with um, the the really elite wide receivers. And we mentioned it when you get elite wide receivers on this list, like pay attention. That's when. Because the the expectation here is a regression in terms of fantasy points per target, essentially. And there are guys on this list where that regression might not occur due to either the the circumstances of their offense or their specific talent. But you see Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase. You listen, and we saw Chase puts up 32 fantasy PPR points, Tyreek right around 30, Stefan Diggs right around 31. Those guys absolutely smash. We got Chris Godwin on this list. He doesn't find the end zone, puts up 16 PPR points. That's really strong. Kittle was someone we went through. And I do think there's a few guys on this list from last week who succeeded, and they kind of fit this bucket of if you're just good enough and you don't see the role reduction, eventually the performances are going to follow. And and Kittle's good enough. The role is moving in the right direction. And we kind of saw that. Um, not a huge performance, but 16 fantasy points without finding the end zone is really good for a tight end. So I'm still excited about Kittle. We saw it with Josh Palmer, who gets 15 fantasy points. They threw 57 times, right? Like he, the dude's just out there. Um, and we'll talk about him in a negative light in a little bit, but from a positive light, like just being able to maintain that role, eventually the fantasy points will follow. And the biggest poster boy for that last week was clearly Juju Smith-Schuster, who... Um, had he only had five targets but like he finally had a little bit of luck go his way was super efficient caught all five of those targets uh he's got a really high yards per target now in the season hit kind of a fluky touchdown but like those things are going to happen you know we mentioned two weeks ago he got tackled inside the five twice and that was kind of unlucky this week he gets kind of lucky so there's definitely that bucket of guys oh and i should mention michael Pittman was also on the list is Kind of one of when we see talented wide receivers on the list, we don't we're not even a huge fans of Michael Pittman, and to see him on the list was, you know, a good sign. He puts up twenty six point four. Obviously, some luck there, and that the model had no idea Indy's game plan would be what it was, um, and, and Pittman certainly benefited from that. Now, the flip side to the if you're just good enough and don't see a role reduction, are some guys who disappointed yet again and will continue to stay on this list. In Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, and Garrett Wilson. Um, Talk about those guys real bit. I'm worried about two of I'm worried about all of them, obviously. But Deontay, I'm worried that with the quarterback switch to Kenny Pickett, that he's not going to see the same target volume and command the same target share that he did before. And that's sort of if you're going to be inefficient and you need that regression on a per target basis, you need those targets to remain. And I don't know if they're going to remain. So concerned about Deontay Johnson in that regard. And then Garrett Wilson is someone that's good to look at. Um, I'll actually jump to, to this week's table because Garrett Wilson is the top underperformer. And uh, part of that's because he's only averaged 4.5 PPR points per game his last three. So, um, but, and we do have, you know, the model projection of 10 fantasy points lining up with the DFS projection of the week about 10 fantasy points. So um, it's, it does fit that, he's going to perform better. But again, the bar is so low in terms of his inclusion on this list that that needs to be kept in mind. 
But with Wilson, so this model looks at the receiver's last six games. It definitely weighs each progressing game that's more recent a lot heavier. But overall, in my back testing, having a little bit of a longer sample included made it more predictive overall. Um, but there are going to be some exceptions. I think Garrett Wilson might be an exception. If you look at the expected fantasy points per game, what I'm looking at weeks one through three, he was at 17.8. Just absurd numbers. But keep in mind, they were throw, they threw the ball 50 times a game those three games, right? And we knew that would come down. And now the last three weeks, they've been slower paced. They've been much lower pass rate of expectation. And their expectation passing the ball has just come down because they've played well. And he's at 6.5 expected points per game the last three. That's really, really bad. So I'm not thrilled to start Garrett Wilson, even though I love his talent. And I think he's one of those guys where, you know, maybe we want to look at those last three weeks a bit more. And he's not someone that uh, I'm stoked to be playing right now. So just a little insight into how the model works. And again, sometimes it's, it's better to ignore that context and just kind of trust the objective model and, you know, shit happens and, Maybe he just performs better, but uh, I, I do like to add that context so we understand how things work and which guys it may or may not apply to. The list is a little bit long this week. You know, we've tried to filter it as much as we can, but I, we also want to put as many guys on the list as possible that are going to overperform to be as actionable as possible. But definitely make sure you're abreast of you know current injury news and whatnot. And talk about a few guys though. Um, and again, speaking of the model assumptions, I said I would return to Josh Palmer. Him and teammate Gerald Everett are on this list. Palmer, who might not even play this week with the concussion, and so this would be moot, but Keenan Allen's coming back, and that's going to be a huge dent into Palmer. And again, model has no idea Keenan Allen's coming back. Um, also, Gerald Everett, his role might be reduced if Keenan Allen comes back. So just keep those things in mind if you're looking at this on the Established to Run website. And Adam, 1110, adds that context underneath, and you can see he added a note about Keenan Allen expecting to come back. Um, okay, so two guys in particular I want to talk about this week that I think are interesting. I'll start with Amari Cooper, who's got one of the highest, I think he has actually the second highest model projection, um, only to Michael Pittman. And I think Pittman's honestly, he was on this list last week, and I think he was a good guy to target this week i think his inclusion on the list is a little inflated by the 13 targets last week that were super game plan dependent but amari cooper is second on this list him and jalen waddle i think are really strong targets waddle getting the improved quarterback play back and again the attention shifting more to tyreek hill um but we, we will and but he has been on the injury report but amari cooper three of his last four weeks he's had air yards around 130 which is really strong, 130 air yards uh, for a team that, you know, doesn't necessarily throw a lot. They, of course, were forced to throw a ton last week because they were playing negative game script. But <clears throat> we've got this big game against Baltimore this week for them. And his target shares can vary somewhat wildly, but he has the upside to see a 35% target share. So sometimes even if they don't throw a lot, he can see a huge target share. And he's had in four, in three of his last four weeks, he's had multiple red zone target so they're definitely looking for him in that area of the field so pretty in on amari cooper who um he's you know performed decently but he had a really bad week four you know his expectation was low but his his production was even lower 
He's also underproduced his expectation the last two weeks, even though he's had solid outings of 21 fantasy points, 14 fantasy points. The expectation those weeks were 22 fantasy points and 19 fantasy points. So um, I, I like his inclusion on this list. I think he's a really logical target and someone you can you start with a bit more confidence than you had coming into the year um, when things were a little bit uncertain with Jacoby Brissett. The other guy I'm excited about is Romeo Dobbs, who like this is a classic inclusion. Like this is kind of what the Bileone is for. Are guys like this who, you know, he's struggling from an efficiency standpoint at 6.2 yards per target. But you know, we're still excited about him as a rookie who has some juice. And I think that's going to regress. If you just think he's bad, you know, maybe he shouldn't be on this list. But uh, I think that's going to regress. It's nice to see that he had 89 yard air yards in week four. At that point in time, it was his highest of the season. And then just this past week, he puts up 113 air yards. That is now his new highest of the season. So some improvement in that regard. And he's had red zone targets in four out of six games, which from Aaron Rodgers, those are absolute gold. So I'm really in on Romeo Dobbs. I think the the role's increasing. The snap share has been steady. We just need the efficiency for him to come back. It's been real. And he, he was pretty good the first three weeks. The last three weeks, you know, he's caught five of eight for 47, three of five for 29, four of nine for 21. You know, we're talking sub six yards per target in all three of those games after being at 7.4, 9.0, and 9.1 the first three weeks. So that's going to improve. Romeo Dobbs is my, you know, number one guy on this list that I think you could actually make a move for. You could start in DFS. I think if you have an uncertain start set, he's a good option. So I really like Dobbs. Uh, I think Drake London's interesting too, just because <laughs> we we tell ourselves Atlanta has to throw more at some point, right? It, but again, the, the bar to clear here is quite low because he's only averaged 6.1 his last three, but we do have a 12.4 weekly projection on him right in line with Dobbs. Uh, the model's projection for Drake London moving forward is at 10.0, very similar to Dobbs as well. So London's another guy where um, we're not betting on efficiency regression like we are with Dobbs. We're betting on regression in terms of team pass volume. It uh, keeps not happening for Atlanta, but you know, one of these weeks, they just got to throw the ball even just 30 times, right? Just 30 times gives our 30% target share in 10 targets. That would be great to have. Okay, that's going to do it for this week's look at running back and wide receiver targets that you should be going out and, you know, starting your lineups, trying to trade for or playing in DFS. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Hope you all have an excellent week. Thank you.